Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. You may be asking yourself what Moonwalker Delta 8 is. Moonwalker is the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, an emerging category pushing the boundaries of the cannabis plant. By expertly combining terpenes with complementary flavors, Moonwalker represents the absolute pinnacle of Delta 8 THC products, all engineered for pure bliss and joy. If you have any questions or concerns about the legality of Delta 8, please feel free to visit moonwalker.com backslash pages backslash legal. So you guys like coffee? Well, good, because we partnered up with the best. Blackout Coffee Company is America's best small batch coffee. The true patriotic roasters of Freedom Nectar that lets you stay on your grind all day, every day. Blackout Coffee Company offers signature blends, single-serving coffee pods, and several types of loose teas. You can order those as needed, or you can join a monthly subscription. Head on over to CigarStoreIdiot.com, look for the Blackout Coffee Company link, and make sure you use promo code Rob. W10. That's R O B W10 for some immediate savings. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. This is Rob, and uh, I got with me Arlo, and you're listening to Cigar Story Idiots. B98.5. Hey, ladies. <laughs> what are you uh, Not on camera, not on mic, but uh, Cousin Johnny's man in the, the video episode. We, we appreciate We're going to pop his cherry. We are. We appreciate uh, Cousin Johnny. Yep, that's what in, we're going with. Been here tonight. So. Thank you, sir. <laughs> It's good to see you as always. So, um, before we get he's started, not in a wheelchair though. <laughs> no, no. We finally upgraded him to a four-legged walker. So, uh, uh, Johnny own, Walker got his own tennis ball. Yes, yes, yes. Made out of crown royal. Just bags. keep that damn dog to stop chewing on the bottom of it when he's trying to walk. Be a lot better off. So, uh, before we get started, you know we've been having our issues with Instagram back and forth, nonsense. Um, uh, just so happens. They might be in a little bit of trouble, and, and our podcast wasn't the reason that caused it. So. Who's the lady that, I think we both follow her, she is like Johnny on the spot with... Uh, Up-to-date stuff? Yes. Which means she probably will get suicided in the near future? Probably so, but I can't... She lives in a bunker way down somewhere. Usually she's like right there on my feed, and of course, now that I want to talk about her, she's not. She's every dead. Big well, she's there. dead now, so... The real Toria Brooke, maybe? Could be. Let's see. But yeah, I know she's on it. Like every single thing that pops up, like she's got, I don't know where she gets her information from. Yes, it's her, real Toria Brooke. Yeah. She is like Johnny on the spot. I don't know. She has her finger on the pulse. Right. Um, While she has one. She is also followed by Rebecca Rockenhouse and um, the guy that I brag about from Sean Ryan's podcast. I cannot think of his name. His handle's Valor for Us, the one that I taught in a six-hour podcast, and I was that's the one that did uh, holistic medicine. And I got gotcha. you. Like yeah. Um, I cannot think of his name. But anyway, they, she is, and she's not, like maybe 100 pounds, five foot one, 
she's a hellcat now when, she, when it comes to calling people out for their bullshit. And she had a post today talking about the Instagram Seth says, funny, I've been put on warning and probation warnings yeah. everything like but we've they, had, they like, can't just get to the spider's web yeah, yeah so eyes. so if you don't so you will by the time this podcast comes out uh you will know uh, instagram's have been hiding all this uh this child trafficking porn uh, these porn trafficking for uh, child pornography. They just been hiding it all. Well, and, let's just be and, honest. It's meta. It's not Facebook. Really, true, has been doing true. the whole fucking it's, thing. It's it's not hiding it either because they they are so blatant with it that they actually have menus to where people perverts and sickos can go in and uh, request what they want to look at, and then they have like what is it? What is it? We said that there was thirty five thousand images downloaded daily. Child pornography downloaded daily. Uh, the first of May of this year, three hundred kids were found dead in Texas. And basically the shoe's about to fall on that whole cover-up. So is that maybe some of those kids um, that went CPS. missing? Ah, some and, of those kids that went missing during the... Uh, and I know we've got a lot of people out there that Child Protective Services have stepped up for. We're not talking about those. They're, it's like any other profession. You only hear about the bad ones. Right. Um, we covered... Uh, Jessica Van Zant on Mysterious Brews and CPS down there in LaGrange, they were Johnny on the spot. Had a plan in place, got grandmother the plan. Little girl had to spend two weeks with a foster parent, but grandmother got her. She dotted all the I's. And those are the kind of CPS workers we need. But just like in the teaching profession, you only hear about the ones that are retarded. Right. And now I'm going to get some hate for that, but yeah. I'm old no, school. It's, it's a, yeah, I'm it's, Gen it's, X, it's, baby. It's, yeah. it's retar- they're retarded. Yeah, that's what it is. So uh, the other thing, uh, the FBI has came out and saying they're protecting a whistleblower on the Biden family. They're openly admitting they're afraid that their whistleblower will, will end killed. up dead. Yeah. They are not so sure they can protect him. I'd have been like, just that's enough. Give to- me a gun. What was the movie with uh, Morgan Freeman and um, oh, it's, damn it. Seven? No, more. No, not that old shit. Uh, um, Ryan Reynolds, where Ryan Reynolds is a CIA agent, and he's got transfer. And I he's know like, man, I just crunch numbers. Just give me a gun and take these fucking cuffs off of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know he's talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was talking about Andy Dufresne. <laughs> no, I'm not. Have you seen that conspiracy theory? I have not. Jimi Hendrix dies. Oh, I did see that. And Morgan Freeman comes into the acting. Is he left-handed? I don't know. Can he play voodoo child? I don't know. They probably is. both sing shitty. Yeah. Cause you know, Jimmy wasn't, he wasn't known for his vocals. No, he wasn't. Morgan Freeman, however, can uh, talk the pants off anybody. He could. Put me to sleep too. I'm pretty much in a pair of underwear right now thinking <laughs> about it. So, uh, and then the last thing, apparently Canada is on fire. And have you seen the, the video in They're New York? They're coming out. The, well, New York and New Jersey both look like Iraq in 2004 with yeah. all the desert storm yeah. or the desert storms. Yeah. Not yeah. desert storm, yeah. but the, Sandstorms. Yeah. They're coming out. Have you seen the videos of them drop cherry dropping the flames? Yes. And that's what a lady from Canada said. She goes, y'all, this would have been more believable last year when every forest I drove by was yellow. We are not in a drought. They are lush and green. You've been lying And they're to. back burning. They're saying they're back burning them, but it, 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 again, nothing adds up. So the what? latest one in it may have been that rocking house, um, page she said do not let them use this to lock you in your home it, you make makes you wonder it makes you wonder 
And it's insane, dude. It's but yeah, so the pr- the picture of the Brooklyn Bridge, you can't see the other side of it. Yeah, it is and eerie. It's eerie it's orange. orange. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really bizarre. But Justin Trudeau, he's uh, beefed up security at all the pride marches in Canada, just in case. I mean, you got to keep them safe. You got to keep, keep them safe from, the, from themselves. So, yeah, priorities, baby, priorities. Speaking of priorities. On today's... What the Florida? A Florida man accidentally shoots his uh, significant other during to death during foreplay. I probably could have used that a time or two. If he gets away with it, I'm really going to be mad at myself. A man in Valrico, Florida, is facing manslaughter charges after a deputy said he accidentally air quotes kills a woman during an act of foreplay on Sunday. How did he? No, he didn't put it in her for JJ. Did he? Uh, let's get there. Let's see. What no, it's upper body. Upper body. So man, I was, almost didn't want to read it anymore. I was like, you can just uh, stop there. Uh, Andrew Chenault, 23, allegedly shot a woman in her upper chest while uh, with his registered handgun around 12.30 p.m. What do we say in Florida? Nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. Nothing, ever. Uh, the two were engaged in an act of foreplay involving a gun, deputy said. Were they playing uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I guess. Maybe. Hey, baby. I don't know. Can you Devil. come here? Uh, the woman in her 20s was taken to Brandon. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Brandon Regional Hospital, where she later succumbed to her injuries. Chenault was charged with manslaughter with a weapon on Friday. He was booked into the Orient Road Jailhouse on a $50,000 bond. Um, fellas, you got to make sure the safety zone if y'all going to play around like that. I don't get it. I don't At either. what point? I mean, let's just be honest. He just shot her, and he's like, "Well, we were, we were, you know, touching she tips." Bit me. She bit me. She bit me, and I shot her. I sneezed and shot her in the chest. That's oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we had a bump. So, <laughs> that's is there a sign in my yard? That, <laughs> I I haven't seen one. I, I have seen that lady across the street chain smoke a. Carton of cigs between going to the high school and back to my house, though. We're going to leave it alone? <laughs> she may be the same one that showed up with my parents. Could have been. Cousin been. Johnny slept through the whole ordeal. All I know is uh, wherever they go get their haircut, those people are fans of Super Mario Brothers because both ah! of them look like mushrooms. God. It's awful. It's uh, it is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. If you're gonna do silly things like that to sack folks, you gotta make sure you gotta have the safety on, or just don't load. Don't it. use a Glock. Don't load it. Don't use a Glock. Don't rack it. No, baby, does this scare you? Click, click, click. <laughs> no, 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 I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It makes. Hey, no feller, sense. you need to stand up. No, I don't think so. Not standing up for that. Nope. I'm not there for that. So, um, tonight's episode, uh, we have kind of been talking about this, teasing this one. We teased it on the last episode, kind of did a little bit on social media. Um, we are from the great state of Georgia and this, this specific case, this specific murder that happened, uh, was pretty close to all of us. Uh, it was, cl- what's funny is it was close to us for the different reasons than it was right. close to you. And that's what's so crazy. Yeah, and then and then for me, like, and 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 as I've gotten older, and we've talked about this, people that I know that were, they were literally connected, uh, not connected to the murder, but connected to the people that this thing happened to. Uh, a lot of different circles. Uh, so, 
unfortunately, we're going to get into to the the topic tonight. The is going to be on the Frito Lay murders, uh, in that happened in Floyd County, Rome, Georgia. So, and at the time that it happened, it was in late June, early July of two thousand four. Um, there is a distribution center off of a major road in eastern Floyd County, and around 4 a.m., a Floyd County deputy was dispatched, and they find the manager of that distribution center stabbed to death. He was 36, and his name was Thad John Glenn Reynolds. Um, He was the district manager for the Rome-Carsville area. At the time the story broke, was July the 6th, um, and the old news articles, we have those pulled up. At that time, there was no suspects and there was no apparent motive in the first headline. Right. They had initially thought that he was he, somebody was there to rob him. Yes. And then the, the perpetrator got spooked, thought that there was another employee there and ran off and left. Yeah, and it, Sergeant Dallas Battles was the first on scene, and he said that there remains a remote possibility for murder, although nothing was apparently missing from the scene. Quote, it could have been robbery, but they didn't keep any money in the building, he said. Reynolds' wallet was there. So, and that's what they, the investigator said, it's possible the killer thought there might have been money inside the victim, or inside the victim, inside the building, but mm-hmm. the victim was pronounced dead at 627 a.m. Yeah. that morning. No, I do. I know I do get upset when all the Doritos get ate in the house, but I ain't trying to. Yeah, I'm not trying get, to. Not trying to get wild. No, about it. So it says that it looks like uh, first reports quote there was a scuffle outside and inside. The weapon was not recovered, but it is believed to be a knife. Um, so he was attacked. They believed around 4 a.m. He was not found until six, and authorities were dispatched then. Um, they did find at that time a sheath to a hunting knife near Mr. Reynolds' car, which was a red minivan. Oh, I'm sorry, no, near his car. And a red minivan was leaving the area about the same time, and that's the only lead they had. GBI was immediately called in along with Floyd County investigators. Um, They found blood inside and outside of the main entrance and near Mr. Reynolds' car, and I did not know... There was a GBI crime lab in Somerville. I didn't either until I dug yeah. back into this thing. So, you, also too, they found a, a pair of prescription glasses right. at the scene. I forgot about that. That did not belong to Thad. So, um, when and unfortunately, uh, you know, Thad was survived by his wife Michelle and his four daughters. Uh, Olivia being the oldest at twelve, Lydia at six, Emma at four, and Jenna at one. So. Um, you have people talking about Thad, uh, that knew Thad or that actually was involved in the church or that actually worked with him, talked about what a, just a wonderful, outstanding, upstanding Christian he was. He was actually a deacon at Hollywood Baptist church. Um, and people, nobody ever had a, had a bad thing to say about him. Like he, you couldn't find anybody to have that had a bad thing to say about him. No. And he liked to get in early and the chip business is kind of like, the, the bread business, bread milk, business, milk, and milk like and that. coke and stuff like yep. that. You you basically paid per day. So if you if it takes you ten hours, you ain't making shit, right? So Thad figured out if I go in early, I can get all this done, and I can be home at an early time and still have time spend on my time family. on my family. Yeah, yeah it's family man. So. And so 
basically the call goes out that anybody driving by the Frito-Lay distribution center between the hours of four and six, please call the Floyd County police. Um, Looking for a red minivan. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it kind of shocked the whole area. It was, I don't know, at the time, the Rome News Urinal is what we call it, <laughs> stated that the that was the fifth murder in Floyd County that year. And I don't remember, I know Channel 2, Channel 5, so you've got ABC, CBS, and NBC affiliates for Atlanta show up. Right. This thing caught on like a wildfire. Did Oprah come for this one? Uh, I don't. Somebody so. came and did like a little expose before we know what happened, and they kind of portrayed it, which it is a rural back then. It was still rural road, but it just it wasn't like a country road. I mean, it's there's it, it, it if if you live here, it's a nice road. It's a nice road. There's nice houses. There's there's a high school in the area. Uh, there's yeah. a skate roller rink right across. Well, the we road. won't go that far. So, but uh, hey, that thing is packed out on Sundays and yeah, Saturdays, and they've got some kind of league. Late there. skate, son. Sunday are girls with jerseys and numbers on. Yeah, roller derby. Yeah. Now, these were little girls. Yeah, too, they, yeah. you got kids to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So, but the, but when we started looking at all that, they started looking for this red minivan. Well, everybody that goes to the church, everybody at Hollywood Baptist Church is like, well, that's a red minivan. That's an awful lot like uh, uh, Scotty Harper. The family pastor has a red minivan. And also then at that point, all these little like y'all know when some shit's going on between people, but everybody just kind of like talks about it, especially in a town like Rome. It all that stuff gets filtered around. Um, but nobody ever really puts it, you know, like, ah, oh, well, let's just hear say it's people saying stuff. Well, once this happened and they start looking for this red minivan, they said, Well, Scotty has a red minivan and we all know in this area that Thad's wife and Scotty have kind of been stepping out on each other. Yeah, it starts. So he was murdered on July the sixth. Uh, the next article that is basically there does it doesn't come out until October. But there was a lot of chatter between August September, mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing. It, it starts coming out that there is an apparent love triangle. Um, there's and unfortunately, if you kill somebody and you leave your prescription glasses laying on the ground at the crime scene, it's going to kind of catch you pretty quick. And it didn't take long. No, it did not. And that's what I was amazed at was that next article is October. But Scotty is, I want to say he was arrested within uh, less than a week, wasn't it, he? Well, it was, pretty, it was pretty quick because when, when everything started circulating, so, not to get too far ahead, but when he he actually he stabbed Thad to death, he stabbed him nineteen times, okay, and he stabbed him with a hunting knife. So when he was in the act of stabbing him, like when committing the murder, the knife I guess he was it was slippery from the blood, and it slipped down when he stabbed him, probably into a bone, and his hand just went down the knife, and it cut into his into his hand. He had to go to the ER, which he worked at Floyd Hospital. So he had to go he was to the, in the ER. IT department. Right. So he had to go to the ER that morning and get sewed up. And then little did we know, later we found out that he had his clothes, his clothes that he wore as he committed this murder. He had them balled up and he, I think he had them stuck in a, in a, he put them in a serve, he put them in a trash bag with the knife. Okay. And then hid the trash bag in the ceiling of the server room. Yes. And, 
from what I have seen and, and just going over remembering, I did not rewatch the Dateline, and we'll get into why later. Right. Um, but he was not the – I want to say he came in and somebody in his office was already there yeah. in the IT department. They, they kind said – He was back was like, He was like, man, I cut my – Hand this morning fixing breakfast, and they were like, "Dude, you need to go get st- stitches. That thing's nasty." Yeah, what the hell? And was then you he eating? would, yeah, and then, but the thing is, he wouldn't go get stitches until he had to go. I got to check on the server. I got to mm-hmm. check on the server. Well, you, there's alarm bells going off everywhere. Yeah, everybody's like, "Man, he's yeah. acting really crazy." And that's the thing; he drew a lot of attention to himself. And I don't. The timeline's not coming up, but it's it's the oddest thing with that. They get the pers- – he didn't have his glasses. Mm-hmm. That was another thing. And then I want to say within 24 hours, the rumor mill it was on like the west side of the county really rolling. was stating, hey, you know, you know, he was infatuated with Thad's wife. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And so then it, the shoe starts falling – and that's what I can't understand. It, as as horseshit of a newspaper as the Rome News Tribune is, I cannot believe that that's the the next um, article. But it probably isn't, and they archive about as well as every other small town sure, newspaper. Yeah, yeah but you, that's what we'll go back to too. Is the thing that you know the hearsay? It's all the hearsay. Well. It really starts coming out everywhere. There's people coming out giving accounts of seeing them out in public multiple times, multiple places. There's people saying that they see them coming in and out of hotels, like multiple times, multiple places. So people start putting two and two together on this thing. And and not only has this man been stabbed to death, stabbed 19 times, and, and we all know that when somebody is stabbed to death, that is an, that is an act of rage. That is, that is one of the worst ways to murder somebody. And it is a lover-scorned type of murder uh we just covered a young man in mooresville north carolina he was shot with two different weapons and stabbed 20 something times and they have no suspects that's why we covered it um but that screams a personal connection yeah yeah that's not like a random act of violence if you're going if he's coming in there say that he's coming in there to get he thinks there's money there well, he'll cut him or stab him to get him out of the way. Sure. He's not making talk. Him. Yeah. Or not he's not going to stab him 19 times. Right. Unless he's just a damn crazy cracked out or something, serial yeah. killer. But it's just, I don't know. You, you're right, though. They they start uncovering, authorities start uncovering. Uh, excuse me. No, you're good. Um, they get cell phone records mm-hmm. and there's and voice man, messes. Here we go. There's voice messes. There's voicemail messages. Son, voice messages all over that thing. And um, they were going to go. <laughs> we got to laugh at some things. Yeah. Because this is pretty shitty. It is. It's a terrible um, thing. Terrible. The thing that they hung up on that I remember in the Dateline episode was something. Was it Portland or Seattle? They were going. That was their pillow their, talk. That was where they were going to end up. Yeah. They were going the rest of their take life. his kids and her kids and they were going to all go to. One somewhere, Seattle or Portland. Yeah, and I don't think they had and ever live in a tent. Probably that's what you do now. I mean, probably don't so, shave, don't shave, don't bathe, shit on the sidewalk. It's yeah. cool. Break your needle off in the arm. 
But um, I don't think they had any tie. Like, they had never been out there on a church retreat. No. It was just this random Shangri-La thing in their heads, yeah. and, and that was the pillow talk. And so a little backstory. We get into Thad's wife, Michelle, and early on, they were high school sweethearts, yep. and they had a, I don't know, I, I guess your storybook sweetheart story. And that's, then, that's what you would have thought. Right. And then it starts coming out when, unfortunately, that there was a lot of problems early on, and I, not, I, it's not that, I, I need to be careful here, Um I'll say it. Well, it. Well, no, she was stage five clinger. Yes, yes. But were they married? Before? They were. They were not married yet. They, they were engaged. They were dating. Okay. So like, yeah, and and he was he was like red flags were popping up. Yeah, and I think that he he was getting some counseling from another person that he worked at at a at another at another place, not Freeway, uh, and he kind of had told the gentleman or to the person that he he wasn't really sure if, if this, if this was a good wanted, idea. Yeah, if he wanted to go through with yeah. it. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, but things happen, and uh, she ends up getting pregnant. And so he does the honorable things. What you do in the South, you you get married and make it right. Make yep. an honest woman of her. So. And he did. And then from the outside looking in, it was a picturesque little yeah. relationship. They had four beautiful blonde-headed children. Um, now they did get divorced. That's right. They, they did, did divorce. Between, they divorced between the third one and the fourth one. A child, I'm sorry. I, I hate to be. And it's not that I'm trying to be cold. Insensitive, yeah. We're not trying to be insensitive about yeah. it at all. So they have their first child, um, and then they have, six years later, they have their second. Two years later, they have their third. And I believe it was after the third that they did separate. Mm-hmm. And then they... They ended up getting remarried again, I think, in 97. Was that was that correct? It may have been... 90, may, 90, 93, 97, yeah. somewhere in there. It may have been 97. And then the last child comes into play. Um, the bad thing is, when it happened, the oldest one's about the only one that remembers her dad. Mm-hmm. Um the second child was six at the time, so some memories, but the the younger two, and four and one, yeah, the, the, the one year old never really knew. And the and the bad thing is, um, he was very active in the community. He was very active in those girls' lives. They played sports. He was, you know, he was an acting coach. chaplain at uh, Redman Hospital too. I mean, he was he was involved in in the community for sure. And a lot of things. You know, when it first came out, you couldn't find anybody to say anything bad about him. He was a stand-up guy. I right. mean, it wasn't – he wasn't abusive. He didn't come home late. He wasn't a drinker, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so it was a shock. And so the basically in October is when – October 1st, um, Scotty Richard Scotty Hopper pled guilty to, at that time, four years had passed by. Um. No, um, yeah, 
And he played because this is going to be in the papers damn near every week, every day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, every that day. Was the screaming yeah. headline. But he yeah. finally, four years later, pled guilty. Um, as part of his plea deal, he had to testify against Michelle. Michelle, mm-hmm. and the state basically told him that if he would testify and tell his side of the story, they would not seek the death penalty for her. For her. He protected her. And that is exactly what he did. Yeah, yeah. Our local district attorney on the Dateline episode says that she may be the most evil, manipulative woman she's ever talked to. Mm -hmm. And she's sat across the table from a lot of scum. Terrible people, yeah. If you go, we'll go back to, um, we'll kind of go back to some of the the things that happened that were going on. To make matters worse, the, the two couples were best friends. They went on vacations together. They, they watched went, each other's children. They watched each other's children. They went uh, on church retreats together. They had picnics together. This 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 group of people was always together. Uh, and then, as Arlo had mentioned, when they got into the emails, uh, they started finding all these uh, sinister emails back and forth. And and Michelle, Scotty was kind of jealous over over Thad, and she said, "Well, he's he's going to outlast you. Uh, you you're going to have to outlive him if you're going to have me." And so that they would make jokes about, she said, well, I'll go ahead, I'll, I'll cook his food with more butter and clog his arteries and we'll try to speed it up. And they laugh, banter back and forth. Well, then it got even worse to the point to where she, uh, they had both devised a plan to where they were going to have a spaghetti supper at the house and they were going to make two separate pots. They were going to poison one pot and feed it to his wife, his wife and, and, her husband. and her husband. And they were going to eat the other pot of spaghetti. So, And my thing with that is... But she had no idea he was going to go in there and kill him. She had no idea. That's the thing that I don't understand, even as close as I was at the time, and I'll get into that later. But she, those, the voicemails that they got, and that's another thing that kills me. We're talking early 2000s. We got the Nokia brick you can't destroy. That was the greatest phone ever. ever. Yeah. Snake, Snake, son. Baby, snake. That's it. So anyway, but why save those voicemails? I mean, it, it that incriminating, you already have cut yourself killing this man. It's already a, a shitty situation because I want to say he was, I want to say he was arrested within 48 hours. Yeah, it was quick. It was quick. Um, they held him on suspicion. Then they found the, that's when the, the prescription glasses came in. That's, those are his prescription glasses so they can tie him to the scene. Then they find, I think they find security footage at Walmart. Him buying, Kmart. Oh, it's, yeah, Kmart. that's right. Back yep. in Kmart. Yeah, he was at in a hunting, a hunting fishing section and bought, he had bought a hunting knife there. So, and he bought something else too. And he had, here's what's so stupid. Had his receipt. In the bag with the bloody clothes and the knife that he hid at the hospital. Yeah. And then... I'm thinking when you're stabbing a guy 19 times, you probably forget all about what, what's in a bag, you know. And that's the thing that he speeds off, goes to work. But somehow, I don't... I, did it ever come out where he stopped to change clothes? Because he did. He didn't yeah, go home. I yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I don't have... And I was I trying to think that. between there and Floyd at that time. Literally just, what, pull over on the side of the road yeah. and change clothes? And there's couple of gas stations right there that don't open early yeah um but yeah the now i think and i correct me if i'm wrong hadn't thad gone thad went on a retreat and that's when the thad had like i don't want to say he was on a retreat he led the retreat 
Yeah. He had taken a group somewhere, and mm-hmm. that's when they find out that they had rendezvoused at a hotel, and that's when the whole thing with Seattle or Portland. Where's the Space Needle? Seattle. So it's Seattle. I do remember that. Um, so they're, they, they've got this pillow talk. That's where the spaghetti dinner comes in. And then she never, in all the recordings that I remember, she never comes out and says, kill my husband. Super calculated. Very Super calculated. calculated, to be honest with you. Like Black Widow calculated. Mm-hmm. Like you would think this is not her first rodeo. Yeah. And you, we'll, we'll even get to that point, too, to where she actually started putting pressure on uh, on Harper. She started, they, he had actually picked her up, and they went to behind the levee and parked and was talking. And, and she literally asked him, she's like, are you just not going to do anything? I mean, it, it, are you, I, she was so upset with him that he had not uh, moved forward in any kind of actions. Uh, uncle, uncle. Cousin. Cousin Johnny. Cousin Johnny got a. Keep hydrated, <laughs> hydrate, but we got to hydrate. So, but, uh, but at that point, she kind of was giving him an ultimatum. She was like, either you got to get off gonna, pot. Yeah. You're either going to do this or, or, or it's over. We're just done with each other. And the manipulation she held over Scotty was, it's eerie. Yeah. They interviewed him Dude, from he, prison. I think he's still, mm-hmm. I think he's still done it. What he, um, they had, Cousin Johnny mentioned something about fireworks. Yes. Or something. So I don't know. Rainbows, sunshine. Um, they do arrest her. And that's what nobody understands is I came in on the, I didn't know Thad. I didn't know Michelle. I didn't know any of the players. Unfortunately, I got to know the family through the daughters. I taught the oldest one and, um, she, going through high school, every major event in that young lady's life, whether it was she played basketball, she either she had a, um, outstanding game. She, um, every time something major in her life was positive, the next day there was a headline. Yeah, in the case, and so you just, she's such a sweet little girl. She, you know, everybody says she's spitting image of her daddy and, and personality wise too. Um, but I got to thinking when they arrested Michelle, that one night those babies lost both their parents Mm -hmm. because at 12 years old, she now is living with her grandparents and Scotty's parents, kids as well. He had three kids. So they lost, he lost, they lost their dad too. So it's just, it's just a, a, a terrible situation. But it, it the more it's just sinister. The more you get into it, the whole story of they would they would go on youth youth like youth mission trips. I guess like you know how like if you, if you lived in Georgia, you went to a youth trip in Florida, or you went to a youth trip in the mountains. That's yep. just the two places that you go. You went to Panama City on the other side of Panama City where the old folks live. Yeah, where nothing fun was going yeah. on. <laughs> or you went to Gatlinburg. Yep. So they would get the kids settled in uh, and. Uh, they would have a hotel room for themselves where they would spend the whole time together in the evening. So I just don't know how you can function in a church or in a school. Uh, like, like we go back to, to, to teachers that have inappropriate relationships with students. Somebody somewhere knows what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, 
somebody, there's an adult somewhere that knows there's a teacher messing with a kid. Or there's somebody in the church that knows that this pastor is having an inappropriate relationship with this with this deacon's wife. I mean, it's, you, are you stupid? I mean, but I guarantee you, no one thought because I in the Dateline episode, and this is going back in the annals of my memory. So thank you to the mushroom drops. Yes, um, get those at uh, cigarstreetit.com. They um, they talked about how. While everything on the surface was roses and they were the picturesque family, there were like he had kind of they were having their problems, and I think sure. they had gone to marriage counseling. If yep. I'm not You're mistaken, right. You're right. And they were trying to work through things. So I guarantee you, everybody in that church never thought that that would be. The avenue that was taken, they mm-hmm. would, they were probably play, praying real hard that the marriage was reconciled, or at the very worst, they were amicable towards right. each other. They never would have thought that. I didn't say anything. I mean, I saw him at the hotel room, yeah. but I didn't think he was going to kill her, yeah, or kill him, yeah. And I guarantee you, that's what went through a lot of those parishioners' minds. But. I don't know. It's just she's she was so manipulative, and then once she's arrested, this is the thing that kills me. And and we saw it in the Murdoch case with the son calling the daddy. It says on there, this call is being recorded, and she is still manipulating him. They they should start that off with, "Hey, stupid! Yes, this call is not, being not, recorded." You should have to answer a question. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, you know this is being recorded. So, yes. so basically, what she's telling him on these recorded calls is, "Hey, you can take the heat for this. You can't let me go down for this." They're trying. They're they're trying. And at the time, the district attorney was seeking the death penalty for both of them. Yes, which I guarantee you, she had it her way. She the, still would. Yeah, she would have had it handled. So yeah. And the thing is, she's on record of saying, "Quote: Of course, I'd like to go forward with the death penalty, but." Or, I'm sorry, I'd like to go forward with the prosecution, but you have to work with the evidence you've got. And if I have the opportunity to shore up my case against another defendant, then I'm going to take that. Mm-hmm. And his attorney at the time says that, quote, I think Scotty feels very responsible for the death of Thad. Well, uh, yeah, it was at his hands. I mean, he feels very guilty about it, ashamed about it. And I think he was relieved to be able to come to court and accept responsibility for it today. But the thing is, and I think the Dateline interviews Lee Patterson, the district attorney of Floyd County, and she says that she legitimately was going to have him put to death, and the only thing was that saved him was he had to spill the tea on her. Mm-hmm. And when they interview him, man, you talk about a – it's like he was in a cult. Yeah, he was brainwashed yes. to the – 10th degree. And they would ask him questions and he would fumble for answers or I don't feel like I need to answer that. He was completely zoned out. Yeah. Like he's still protecting her that whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that. And then she, they get her on record. I don't love him. I never loved him. It was a fling. Like she totally He took it to the, he took it, you know, he took it to another level. Yeah. It was something that I'm ashamed that we had an affair, but I never asked him to kill my husband. Yeah. And I'm not in love with him. And so they start reading this stuff to him in the interview. And he's like, I don't believe that. Yeah. He he thinks it's all made up. Yeah. He don't believe it for one second. And I'm like, dude, she is, she is selling your ass down down the the river. river. Yeah. Um, we'll go to kind of like in that time, Hollywood Baptist church was booming. 
Like that, that church was the church to go to. Like I, I was from that area and we, in middle school, I went to that church. We, they had the power I, team show up and rip power apart. Yeah. Yeah. Help him, Jesus. <laughs> He's like ribbing a chain across his back or whatever. You know, I don't know. But, um, his, it was Jesus and a lot of steroids, but, um, there was a lot of steroids Every, in the power team back then. Everybody went to that church, man. That church was like booming. And then when that happened, it gave the church a death sentence. It I did. mean, things changed. Change. I mean, it was a wrap. Yeah, they they never, they, they, never they still haven't. Yeah, exactly. They still haven't recovered. They had a right before that. They had a huge fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I think we went from our church out here where we were from. We went to there because they were trying to raise money for a new Christian life center. Yeah. But yeah, it never recovered. Yeah, it. And I have a, a friend of mine. He's super close. Uh, really good friend of mine. He was. Uh, he was. He's younger than me, and he and he just recently said this before we even knew we were going to do this episode. He was talking about the time when that happened. He he kind of come from a broken home. Things were rough where he grew up, and he was getting into church. And Thad, not Thad. I'm sorry. Was it Thad? Was it Thad or Scotty that was? It might have been. It may have been Scotty that he was close to. Like he was leaning on this guy for like a father figure. It could have been Thad. I, I had to. I had to go back and, and talk to him. But one of the two gentlemen, one of the two, he he really leaned on those guys. Like he really, really leaned on them because, like I said, his home life was not great, not the greatest as a kid. And uh, all that happened, and he's like, "Man, you just don't even know how that affected me so bad." He said, "I never went back to church ever." Like he just recently started going to church again, and that's that's what brought this conversation up because. Somebody had asked him, well, how, what, you know, what got you, you know, you didn't go to church for so long. How come you didn't go to, how come you've been so, so long since you've been to church? And he's like, well, this is why. And I was like, holy shit, you know what? I, there's no telling how many kids that was affected by that or how many families that were affected by that. Now, the grossest part about this, and we didn't even, we didn't even bring this up yet. Two days before Scotty goes in and stabs Thad to death, they they spent the 4th of July yes. together. Yes. The 4th of July weekend. They were together for two days uh, celebrating the holiday. And the whole time, this whole thing's getting conspired. Also, he went in extra early that morning because Michelle told him that his boss called and said that they had a couple of things that needed to be get to get squared away. And after the holiday weekend, they at, had a big truck coming. So he he or holiday. So it, he, I don't think it was a weekend. He but. didn't even call his boss to check. His wife told him, "You know, this is what your boss said." So he goes to work early. Well, little did he know, Scotty's there waiting on him. They planned this all. It was planned. Like she ever, she one hundred percent had her hands in every bit of this. It yes. was planned. It was all premeditated. And they said that she, like, they would have the little code word of Seattle. I can't wait for Seattle. I bet Seattle's nice. And no one around them understood what was going on. Yeah. And then, you know, this goes down. Now, Thad was a deacon. Was Scotty the youth pastor? Scotty was a deacon. Thad, oh, Scotty was a deacon. Thad was, Thad was, the, Thad was, was a, he was a family, man. he was the family pastor. Okay. Yeah, he was a family Slide pastor. So, But uh, the other the other thing, too, that uh, I had... I had a relationship. I had dated a girl for a while, and she was actually married to the gentleman that uh, found him, that worked there with him. And she told me how, all, and I won't go into detail on all the stuff that he had said and he had seen, and you know. But what happened? 
she said that it was such a traumatic experience for him. He had to go to therapy. He had to do all these things. And their marriage was over. Like it ruined it. Like he, he couldn't get out of it. Like it was, he was locked, you know, locked into this whole situation that he couldn't escape from. And they essentially, they eventually, they ended up getting divorced. So I did find the timeline. I know a little no, day good. late and dollar short. You're fine. So we finally can put to bed when he was arrested. He was arrested and she was arrested three days later on um, July the 8th. But she attended the funeral, correct? They did allow. She was arrested. Both suspects were. Um, he was buried. I think they arrested her. After, they arrested both of them after the funeral. Um, because. They they had a lot of record uh, reports of the family, uh, Thad's family, saying that she acted very bizarre. Yeah, because there was a thing about the dress. She was more worried about how her dress looked and showed zero emotions or remorse. And people kind of like, well, maybe she was in shock. They're like, no, she didn't give a shit. She didn't care. And that's the thing. People, in a lot of cases that we cover, want to throw shade on family members when it comes to how you deal with grief. And they're innocent. We don't know how, if I didn't have a hand in my partner's death, how I would take that. Right. If I had small children, I'm going to man up and I'm not going to show emotion. I've got to be strong. I've got to be the rock for the family. I'll I'll find a quiet place later and I'll grieve. Mm-hmm. That is seen by other people that I've had a, a hand in it. This situation, not only was her family, but his family was like, man, she's like cold as ice. Yeah. Like ice water running through yeah. veins. Yeah. And the if I remember correctly, the dress she wore to the funeral was not, not a funeral no, appropriate appropriate dress. No. Uh, so they're arrested on the eighth. They're both denied bond on the ninth. October of two thousand four, DA Lee Patterson files notice she is seeking the death penalty for both defendants. Fast forward a year. Um the creation of a statewide public defender system who will pay for the defense of Harper and Reynolds is unclear. The trial is on on schedule. Uh, March, they are like 8,000 motions are filed. They're trying to get this in the case, this in the case, this in the case, da-da-da-da-da. Well, it gets bumped up to the Georgia Supreme Court because the defense says... If I remember correctly, they had attained something. I don't remember. There was a piece of a key piece of evidence that they attained, and there was it was a gray area of how they could attain it without a warrant. And so his defense jumps on that. Um, Basically, it goes up to the state supreme court in August. October, state supreme court says, "Uh, uh-uh, we're not going to even review it." Right. So May Cuz it's all blatantly yeah. there. It's all there. May is when of course, a high-profile case, everybody's under the microscope. Well, it comes out that the lead investigator is fired. Yeah. So that puts a whole another black eye on the case. Um they the defense appeals again in July of 07 about whether there was there was a question of when the case was presented to the grand jury and the grand jury decided to indict that someone on the grand jury was not who they said they were or their name was left off the grand jury. Here's the thing. 
I only know this because I was on the grand jury. There was 21, 24 of us, maybe. Let's just say 24. For us as a grand jury to move the case forward, only 18 of those 24 had to say aye or raise their hand. So the district attorneys, the prosecutors aspect of this was he didn't, he didn't raise his hand. It was a unanimous decision anyway. So if you take him out of the equation, it's still they're enough. still going, 18 people are still sending this to trial. Well, the defense is not having any of it. They send it back to the state Supreme court. Um, they look at it. They actually look at the evidence this time and the indictment and state basically that, and it was evidence from Scotty's desk that they had attained. They had attained that, I guess, in the letter of the law, it was attained illegally. But it's kind of like if you take your trash to the road, I can come get your trash. The cops can pick your trash up. So that was the argument for the prosecution. It is in plain sight. It is a piece of evidence that we deemed necessary, so we took it. Well, the Supreme Court says, no, you can't have it. All the stuff from his desk is inadmissible. goes back to Floyd County. So they have to re-indict them in February of 08, and they both, of course, plead not guilty under the new indictment. There's a shit ton of pretrial motions again. Isn't it insane how much money's wasted over this course of time when you know without a shadow of a doubt there's no other I mean it's the evidence is concrete at this point. There's just all these these bullshit formalities that's just wasting everybody's time. It's wasting everything. So And here's the thing. Four years goes by. That oldest one's sixteen mm-hmm. before it goes to trial. And he decides, Nope, I'm not she gave uh Patterson gave him the the, I guess the carrot, and you know, you testify against her. I won't seek the penalty on either one. Yeah. Um. So something else happens. Defense sends it back to the Supreme Court. They say, uh-uh, we're not looking at it again. And they set the date for Michelle. So she goes, it's set for the end of January of 2010. So right up until, I think, the week of the trial, she decides that she's going to plead guilty and she's given 20 years without parole, um, without the possibility of parole. He's sentenced to life without parole. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back into the intricacies of this crazy-ass thing, um after she pleads guilty, he pleads guilty. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, they get him in either a cell phone conversation or pillow talk. One, he states that when he walked in to the Frito Lay, he told he told. Uh, I think Thad looked up and said, "Scott, what are you what doing? What are you doing here? Yeah." He says, "I want what you got." Some chips? Yeah. He had no idea. He didn't. I mean, he's totally clueless. Totally clueless. Which, again, man, it's like, how do you not, I mean, how do you not know? How does how does somebody not reaching out to him and saying, hey, man, 
That's what I, I, I don't understand. I don't want to bring this up, but these things are going on right, the people, right under your nose. The people in the church, and I think that's why the church took a hit so bad, Yeah, is because no one was willing to go to him and say, hey, man, you need to be careful. You don't want to... Well, I mean, it's kind of like what we talk about, too. These other churches, you got these scandals go on, and they try to handle it in-house because the last thing you want to do is get to a point where you don't have people showing up at church because that goes your funds. You're losing members. You're losing dollars at that point. So, And that's something that would have shook it up enough for people to leave, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... But, man, you talk about... If anybody got a death sentence in this thing, uh, you know, after after the fact... Hollywood Baptist Church got a death sentence, in my opinion. And I'm probably going to catch a lot of shit on that. But well, I mean, I mean, it did. if you go to church there, it is what it is. You know, I mean, you, you experienced it. So. She did not, when uh, the DA read the description of the events leading up to his arrest, he hung his head. He was remorseful. She sat there, ice water through her veins. He did address the court. Um, before his sentence, and he said, quote, there's nothing I can say to undo what was done. Um, my actions were selfish and foolish. He apologized to his ex-wife and his three daughters, saying, I'm ashamed of the things I thought I and did in 2004. She had to plead guilty. Michelle had to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter and party of the burglary crime. Um, quote, this is from Chris Adams, Harper's attorney. Quote, a lot of times we find out if the event could be undone, everyone would want it undone, which that's just. Of course. I mean, who would want to, if you get caught, you definitely don't want, you, you, I want to do it over. I'm, you know, we would do it differently. Well, and. I would have picked up my glasses. Yeah. Miss Patterson said he cries those tears when nobody is looking. He Crocodile cries those, tears, baby. Yeah, and that's what he ca- she called them. Quote, those are alligator tears. Yep. Um, so looking at the facts and circumstances, our client felt some responsibility because she, as you heard, never told him to go do it, her attorney said. But the innuendo is there, and she certainly felt that there was a moving force for her to take a plea. Yeah, because she was going to get the death penalty. Um, Barry was her attorney and he worked really close with the district attorney to keep her out of basically to get her the sweetheart deal she got right because because whether you here's 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 the reason we did this podcast this is the reason we did this podcast you know a lot of people were upset and they said you know why bring up these these things that's happened it's you know we're tearing open old wounds things like that she's up for parole this year man she's up for parole 2023 this year and so we talked about it and i said you know she's asking for all these modifications to get out of jail to spend time with her kids she doesn't deserve that like i i mean i don't know i i don't i don't have the uh stature to say she doesn't deserve that but as a human being uh I'm sure her kids would have liked to spend the rest of their life with their dad too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and Miss Patterson said, you know, his family was the reason she offered the deal because they came forward and said they want those girls, they want it to be over for those girls. But the problem is, y'all, it was not over. The oldest one graduates. 
the day after baccalaureate, her senior year, there's another headline. It was like she could not get away from it. Yeah, and she won't. I mean, unfortunately, she won't. You know, we're not we're not we're not doing this episode to hurt her or her, her you know or her sisters or, or sisters anyone. or anybody that's or the grandparents or or Scotty's sure. family. None of those. Sure. What we're doing this episode for is it's almost been twenty years. A man's life was taken. She insinuated that life did not mean that much to her. Mm-hmm. I do not think that she needs to get out of jail yeah me neither like and that's my own personal opinion and that's that's exactly why we did this episode you know i I, and i tried to and i had somebody you know was upset with me and messaged me and i said look i was like i get all that i understand what you're saying but do you know that person's up for parole this year and if 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 the right group of people gets together holding hands and kumbayas it in there and she gets out because they feel sorry for her because she's changed she's repented for her sins uh no, people don't need to forget how evil she is. Right, and and she at the, is. I won't say was. She, she is. is. And she at is. the time of the sentencing, Miss Patterson said, "quote I just cannot get over that someone would have such a blatant affair and use their position as a minister and a church member and just not care what happened to their seven little girls." Yeah. The district attorney in her statement of what the prosecution could have proven during the trial said that the evidence showed Michelle Reynolds and Scott Harper who attended the same church, were having an, quote, all-consuming affair that led to the plot to kill Thad. Um, Thad's mother, Kitty Walker, addressed Michelle at her sentencing and asked why. Why not just walk away? And Michelle did not utter anything other than, yes, sir, when Judge Bryant Durham's asked. Does she understand what she's being yeah, charged with? And then she laughed when yeah. I put the fucking handcuffs she on. She laughed, dude. Laughed. She laughed. So, so yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, what is there to do? What is there left to do? You don't, you, you can't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going through this whole new thing where I'm trying to forgive people. Stuff like this makes me really hard to forgive people, dude. Don't ever want to forgive somebody that took somebody's life, you know? Well, and, and Patterson said, you know, they her office would write letters and appear to oppose parole if she goes up for consideration. Quote, we discussed this with family before we decided to offer the plea, end quote. Um, she said it was one of the hardest plea deals that she's ever had to to offer. Quote, we have a lot of evidence that showed that they had an affair that detailed the progress of the affair, the hotels they went to, the emails, the text messages, the it's cell phone records. All there. We had a lot of evidence about the affair. What they didn't have was her, Michelle's planning in the murder. Mm. Quote, until we got a statement from Scotty Harper in 2008, which gave us a little bit more evidence of Michelle's part in the crime, it would have been very hard for us to prosecute her. I don't think we would have gotten a plea or any resolution on Michelle's case without the details from Scott Harper. It's unbelievable to me. Like, he's going to rot in jail. He will never get out of jail. And he still covers for this woman. Still to this day. It's un, un unfathomable. I can't believe it. Uh, it's fireworks, apparently, somewhere. Now, state marriage and divorce records show that Thad and Michelle were first wed in 1987. They divorced in 93 and remarried in 97, so okay. you were right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, God, I remembered something. Those. Again. 
Those poor girls, it's man. Yeah, it's, it's pitiful, just, dude. It is pitiful. It's a sad situation all the way around. It affected so many. Like we talk about the people that we know that lives was affected that wasn't directly uh, attached to this family. I mean, think about their families. Like think about brothers and sisters and and moms and dads. It's 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 a nightmare that just keeps reliving itself. And and I hate to pick it a scab, but just showing her evilness. They have the conversations in email where they refer to their spouses as gnats. Yeah, when they start getting around each other. Yeah. They're like, oh, the gnats are And then she says in an email, if you talk with that, what if it gets ugly? Yeah, like she wants to know what he's, what's he going to do? Like, what's he going to do? Are you going to, you know, I don't know. It's just unforgivable to me. Unforgivable. Yeah, and and it sounds like, according to emails and text messages, Michelle's pulling the strings because she said she is said to have told Scotty Harper that Thad would not go away as easily as Harper's wife would. Quote: mm-hmm. Michelle Reynolds was very careful what she said to Scott Harper to disown herself from any action he was going to take. Even Scott Harper's statement was not as cut and dry as quote: "Let's murder Thad." Reynolds, so extremely calculating everything that came out of her mouth. She, she, man, sinister. And the thing that kills me is about the, from my point of view with the oldest daughter, all of this had been put to bed, but then it comes out. And it, it, this is why that the local paper is called the wrong news journal. None Rome of rag. those, the, none of those headlines should have been published. They just kept putting it out there. Oh, she's the model inmate. She's leading yoga at the prison. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares? Exactly. I don't give a damn if she's leading a, a revival. Study. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. You manipulated a grown man into killing your husband. Yeah. At the end of the day. Do we have a number, like an insurance number? Like, did, did, we, did we even delve into that? No, but I had heard it was, it's not as much as you thought it would be. It was now. It would have been a lot of money, and she was pressing hard to just to get that into motion, to like pressing hard to get that insurance yeah, money. Within yeah, with an outer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was calling insurance companies, um, making sure that I think it was as devious as he was murdered. You are gonna pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, and you don't think the insurance companies, insurance companies. Yeah, it was in an email form. Oh, wow. So, see, there, you have no idea. The insurance companies don't want to pay out on anything. No. And if you think that they don't got somebody sitting back, like, listening to people calling in saying, oh, my husband was murdered, um, you know, they're listening to tone. They're listening to uh, they're listening to all of that. Because if they can find a way not to pay it. They're not paying it. They're not paying it, son. They're not paying it. So, unreal. So, well, I hope that uh, I hope we didn't ruffle too many feathers and upset any that many people on this one. But it's again, she's up for parole this year, and the last thing I want is just somebody to um, forget how evil she is and her actually have a chance to get out of jail. It'd be it'd be a, a crime against humanity if, if you were not. Will. Yeah, it, it would be <laughs> if you were not from this area and you are interested in this. There is a book called Husband Killer Michelle Reynolds out there. There have been five 
no, four, four, uh, doc, I guess little crime documentaries about it. One is the latest one was killer clergy, unholy confessions. Then Dateline of course did a, an episode, the secret life of the homecoming queen. Then there was a sins and secrets episode titled Rome, Georgia. And then there was a snapped episode titled Michelle Reynolds. Now, the reason I did not rewatch the Dateline episode is due to a case that we covered early on when our podcast started. Dateline just did an episode on that case. Knowing what I know about that case and how they finally got the guy that killed Rebecca Gould, there was some very manipulating details that Dateline chose to do to get viewers. Yeah. To get this show out there. And so I told, and we interviewed one of the lead investigators, um, Jennifer Buchholz, where that episode dropped today. If you are interested in that, um, our original episode was episode 46. So you'll have to go way back to hear it. It's a two and a half hour one. It was the hardest one I'd ever done and still probably the longest one we did. But I told, Jennifer in our conversation before we recorded watching that Dateline episode, knowing what I know about that case, that is not an hour and a half was spent and it was put out there. That is not what happened. They spun that thing to where there was, they created a Hollywood story with they it. They did man. And it's a shame. They they lead you to believe in the episode that this grizzled Arkansas State Police investigator um, um, was at the end of his career and he reluctantly let a new investigator take over for fresh eyes. No. They finally, finally got someone at the Arkansas State Police to listen, and it was reassigned. Now, yeah. I guarantee you he reluctantly gave it up. Yeah. But within six months of the new investigator getting it, you got the guy that did it. Yeah. So, dude, you he was chasing, the old investigator was chasing someone, and he's on record. There are state files where he's on record stating, this man did it, and if I can't get him for it, I'll get him on the installment plan for lesser charges. So knowing what I know now. So he was looking for the wrong guy altogether. The whole time. Wow. But knowing what I know now, it brings into question every Dateline episode I've ever watched. For man. sure. Well, I'm, look at the look at the title of this episode. What was it? The Homecoming Queen. Yeah. The Secret Life of the Homecoming. And so Queen. you just glorified somebody that uh, you know. Wow. I mean, it's, it's it's sick, man. It is. It's off for ratings. It is off for ratings, and that's what's so. And the, and the thing is, it was like a dog and pony show because I got on Dateline's Twitter handle, and the goofball that was the. I don't know, anchor man. I don't know what you call the guy, but he's over there pandering to the local community. He bought a, a handmade dulcimer while he was in Mountain View, Arkansas. Did you give it to him? Who gives a shit? Did you give it to him on no, Twitter? I no, I did. I said, somebody said, somebody commented something, and I said, what amazes me is Dateline chose to have two sentences from the prosecuting district attorney, the old investigator and the current sheriff of Izzard County, Arkansas over the crowdsourcing that true crime podcasts have established in this country. Mm -hmm. 
They never once mentioned it. Mentioned anything. They mentioned one podcast who did a whole season on Rebecca's case, and they mentioned her by name once, and then referred to her as podcaster twice. So they didn't even mention the name of her podcast. Yeah, they did. Oh, they did. But that was not the only podcast they had done, and they didn't even mention the local newspaper reporter who actually was on the side of the road when Rebecca was found. They didn't mention any of that. Mm. And it was like some ethical shit went down. Not, you know. Unethical. Unethical shit went down for them to spin this story. And they lied to the dad about who was going to be interviewed. He didn't know until it was published. I mean, it's it's just. Shady. Very shady. And I'm like, how many Datelines have I watched? And you're thinking, man, they got this guy. You get short and curly. Yeah, you're getting like a quarter of the truth out of the yeah, whole. Yeah, you got the Reader's Digest version. Yeah. The on. Cliff Notes. You yeah. have no idea. And that's the thing, you know. And the case is not dead. There is a guy in prison um, for her murder. But the circumstances in which she died, they leaves a lot of uh, players in the inner circle. So you think it could have been more than one person? Wow. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away and hijack your podcast. But no, 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 you're good. If you are interested in this story, go back and listen to Mysterious Brews, episode 46, The Murder of Rebecca Gould. And then, like I said today, we interviewed uh, Jennifer Bucholtz, and she is vetted. You know, we, we did an yep. episode about how she's on the team that has gotten a DNA match to a suspect in the Zodiac crime. So she has her stuff together. And... Um, author George Jared was a reporter at the time that this case went down. He has invested a lot of time and effort. He's written a book about it. Um, none of them were mentioned, dude. And, 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 and my thing is, I'm not glorifying what we do. We do this as a hobby. Right. We're not getting rich. Right. There's, unless you're Joe Rogan or True Crime Garage, you're not making millions. Right. You got to catch lightning in the bottle. What we're doing we're is just catching work. lightning bugs in a mason jar That's right here, son. And that <laughs> mason and them lightning bugs might be a little drunk from what they, was in it. It could be. <laughs> but what we're doing by telling this story, and I think that's what I wanted to get around to, and it took me forever to get to this, we're not rehashing old wounds. We're not digging up and trying to scar a family. What we're doing is we're trying to tell a story that there are still evil people out there. There are cases that we are going to cover that happened in the state of Georgia that are unsolved. I we I, I didn't know about the Jessica Van Zant murder in LaGrange, and that's four hours away. I didn't know about a young boy that lost his life in northeast Georgia, and that was it in 2000, 2001. And I live in the state. Yeah. So – by us doing these episodes, we are just trying to get the story out there. We're trying to educate the public. And the thing is, there may be an unsolved case that you, in this situation, I'll just use this case, maybe you're in a church and there's some things going on, or you're in a community group, or you are neighbors with someone and things, you got that gut feeling, and you don't know you know enough you might have that one thing that keeps it saves somebody's life that either saves someone's life or breaks a case wide open. Yeah. And that's why we do what we do. Right. 
It's not to drag a family through the mud. That is not why we're doing this. You know, it, it, it is to bring light to there are evil people out there that should not be back in society. Agreed. Especially this monster. So, Arlo, I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate you getting here and doing an awesome job on the uh, research as usual. <laughs> um, we're not going to post it, and, but uh, you can Google it and murder, Murderpedia <laughs> has a... Um, I'm sorry, My Life of Crime has a blog, and you can see how much these two individuals have aged. Yeah. And it is, you would not believe that he is 56, 57 years old. No way he's that old. Like, he looks way older. Oh, here's here's another fun fact. They both have Facebook accounts. I imagine that. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Yes, sir. Under aliases. Sure do. Shawty, that's unbelievable. They probably talk to each other. No shit. They probably do communicate with each other. Probably I wouldn't so. be surprised. I wouldn't either. She keeps him on the hook, buddy. So he keeps that mouth shut. Yep. Baby, you're a No, I'm just leaving on so. All right, man. That's going to do it. Uh, Cousin Johnny, it's good to see you as always. And uh, let's do this again real soon. Y'all take care. Later.